0: Good morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. This morning we're reading about a city of refuge, the object of heaven's supreme regard. Psalms 132, 13 and 14 tells us, For the Lord hath chosen Zion. He hath desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. That's what King David said. And through centuries of persecution, conflict, and darkness, God has sustained his church. Not one cloud has fallen upon it that he has not prepared for. Not one opposing force has risen to counterwork his work that he has not foreseen. All has taken place as he predicted. He has not left his church forsaken, but has traced and prophetic declarations, what would occur? And that which his spirit inspired the prophets to foretell has been brought about. All his purposes will be fulfilled. His law is linked with his throne, and no power of evil can destroy it. Truth is inspired and guarded by God, and it will triumphant over all opposition. And we think about the things we've read in prophecy, the difficulties that people have gone through, and we think, why was that allowed? And yet we know that if sin wasn't allowed to exist, people wouldn't be able to see if the results of sin weren't allowed to happen. We wouldn't be able to see why sin is bad and why it was against God's will for us to have it in our lives. But no matter what Satan does to try to cause suffering, God always comes out on top, doesn't he? He always comes out in the end, and it will. Let me continue reading. During ages of spiritual darkness, the church of God has been as a city set on a hill, putting out a light that everyone can see. From age to age, through successive generations, the pure doctrines of heaven have been unfolding within its borders. It's the theater of his grace in which he delights to reveal his power to transform hearts. The church, God's fortress, his city of refuge, which he holds in a revolted world. Any betrayal of the church is treachery to him who has bought mankind with the blood of his only begotten son. From the beginning, Faithful souls have constituted the church on earth. We have got to catch that. The church isn't a denomination. It's not a building. It's not an organization. It's the faithful souls that constitute it, the real church. In every age, the Lord has had his watchmen who have borne a faithful testimony to the generation in which they lived. These sentinels gave the message of warning, and when they were called to lay off their armor, Others took up the work. I wonder what that means, lay off their armor. Did that mean that they died? God brought these witnesses into covenant relation with himself, uniting the church, maybe from old age or whatever, or the hour they died. And they laid it down and someone else took it up. So uniting the church on earth with the church in heaven. He sent forth his angels to minister to his church. And the gates of hell have not been able to prevail against his people, even though they have tried, even though Satan has tried. God loves his children with infinite love to him. The dearest object on earth is his church or the faithful souls that constitute it. And I think you can find that in Christ Object Lessons, page 166, and read about it. Sin has cost everyone, hasn't it? Especially God. He paid the highest price for it. But it was worth it to him in order in the end that we would be secure for eternity. And he wouldn't have to be alone anymore. He's paid a terrible price. I don't think he'll ever be able to erase from his memory the cost of it. Zion, the city of refuge, is God's Church, isn't it a place of refuge and where we meet with our heavenly Father and with our brothers and sisters in Jesus, our true family? King David in our verse today he saw Jerusalem as the people of God and His refuge. He called it the city of Zion. If the people of God, then the uh, then the church of God. Okay. For what? Is, okay, hold a I wrote. I can't read my handwriting. The city of Heritage. If the people of God, then the church of God. Oh, I see what I was saying. For what is a church? It's the people of God. So I looked it up in the eighteen twenty-eight Noah Webster's Dictionary, and it has a a protracted definition. So I have, uh, in short, number one, the building that's worshipped in. Number two, the collective body of Christians. Number three, a denominated group specific. Number four, followers of Christ in a particular city like Antioch or so forth. Number five, disciples of Christ in a house or home as a church. Number six, worshippers of Jehovah or the true God before the advent of Christ or the Jews. That was their church. Number seven, the body of clergy separate from the laity. I don't think I've seen that. It must not be something I've seen before. Number eight, the assembly of sacred rulers executing God's law. They consider themselves the church or acting on behalf of the church, maybe. And finally, the collective body of Christians making public profession and united under some pastor. So these can all be called a church in their own order. So King David, though Jewish, He knew of the coming Messiah, but he falls into the category of the Jews who were worshiping Jehovah, the one true God, before Jesus in the temple blessed by God's presence. So we read that God has not forsaken his church. So what about you? Do you meet in a home church or a denominated church group who gather in a dedicated building? It matters not. God's people are scattered over the whole planet, and I think God's, God's true church includes his people on other planets, even. One church, it's his people, his faithful individuals. So we read today that uh, from the beginning, faithful souls have constituted the church on earth. Faithful souls may be found wherever they are, um, bearing a faithful testimony to the generation in which they live. What about your life what about mine and what is the testimony that we're supposed to bear I believe I'll tell you what I believe it's the uh, witness in our lives the faith obedience and Christ dwelling within can make us a new creature Christ in you the hope of glory right make us new people it shows the power of God to restore his children that's the witness we make in the world that Jesus has come to restore and redeem. And we can see it happening in our lives, in our behaviors, in our homes. Chapter 3 of 2 Timothy describes the people who will be living in the last days. And it's a pretty sad list, but one of the last things it says that they have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. In other words, okay, I'm a Christian, but there's no power in my life or victory. I deny the power thereof. They're acting religious, they don't have any victory experience, so we're told the path of the justice is the light that shineth more and more into the perfect day, so we grow in wisdom, just as we grow in stature, silently, quietly from day to day, when we get the sunshine and the water and the rain and the food that we need. But we do reveal the power of God in our experience of victory and growth, right? Remember, just like Luke 2.52 said of Jesus, that he grew in wisdom and in stature. That's how we grow. I remember there was a time when Johnson Wagner understood about justification by faith. In fact, Wagner brought the message of justification by faith to the church in 1888. And it was a wonderful message. And Martin Luther understood about justification by faith. Because the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And he jumped up from his knees climbing up the stairs. But there was a time when Jones went off the path. And he um, called salvation experience an evolutionary experience. Or like creation, not evolution. Evolution is something that changes over time. And creation is something that God says the word and it's done. So you can go around go and around to say, well, which is it? Are we changed immediately, and then we put into practice and grow slowly? Maybe it's both working together. I don't, I know not, but the gates of hell have not been able to prevail against God's people or His church. At least those who are all in on that experience. Let's not hold back. Let's give Jesus our all. Let His power be revealed in our lives as a witness. I'm going to close with prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you that this is your plan for those who give you the right and the freedom to work in them to reveal your power to the world as a witness of Christ in you, the hope of glory. I pray in your name, amen. Thank you, brothers and sisters. Tomorrow morning, let me turn the page here, is God will take care of his church. Do we believe it? We do. God's word go forth and bless and edify many today. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See you in the morning.